Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. For those of you that are used to tuning in at 11 o'clock for the message, one of the things that we're doing in the uh, upcoming weeks starting in September is we're going to extend our worship. We're going to go from three songs to four songs because we're just going to press in a little bit further to worship God. Now, for those of you that are tuning in online, that might adjust our tune-in time, so just stay tuned, be advised, and therefore, if you're looking for us at 11, we might just run a little bit behind, but we'll be there, and again, you'll enjoy the message as always. So again, thank you in advance for helping us. Thanks for everybody that's here to, uh, again, just make it happen. Are you ready to press into God just in our worship to go further? Amen. It's going to be good because God's on the move. Praise the Lord. How many of you know that God wants to use you in a, in a, in a spectacular way this, this, this time of year? Amen. And the season that we're living. And so one of the things that we said in regards to this fast that we're on is that we want you to invite people next Sunday. I realize it's Labor Day weekend. Did I get that right? Labor Day, right? But when we were purposing to pursue God, the Lord said to us, minister to the sick. And then we found out, well, that's Labor Day weekend. And I thought, well, isn't God just a crafty one? Because those that need healing will be in the house of God. And how many of you know your vacation is going to be a whole lot better if you're healthy and whole rather than being sick and feeble? Praise God. So listen, if you know somebody... That needs healing in their body, bring them next Sunday because God's going to show up and show forth the healing hand of God and we're going to just celebrate with those people that get touched by God. Amen? So if you need healing in your body, I'd encourage you to be here next week. Praise God. Amen? Well, thank you for your enthusiasm. That's, that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll see you praising God next week. Amen. When we see miracles, signs, and wonders in God displaying. So anyways, let's get into the message this morning. Uh, we've been spending the last two weeks in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And the whole intent is this purposing to press in to the presence of God, getting into his presence, seeking his face, just per pursuing the heart of God. We've got two weeks under our belt. We've got one week left. And I want to encourage you. Just pull all the stops out this next week. Let's go after God. Let's pursue God. And let's see God show up in a mighty way because of our heart and our intent to pursue Him. Amen? But now, here's one of the things that we've been seeing. In our times of prayer, our Wednesday night prayer, we've been seeing God move and show up in a miraculous way. We've been seeing moves of God take place within our services where God's just showing up. And it's amazing what God is doing. And one of the things that we know is taking place is that there is a move of God, or we call it 
a revival. A revival or awakening within the body of Christ. Now, here's what oftentimes happens is when we start talking about a move of God or we start talking about revival, one of the things that we start to revert back to is how it makes us feel. We like getting into the presence of God. We like wonderful worship services. We like when God shows up and we experience the manifested presence of God. And, and as we start to talk about revival, we start to look at it and view it from a selfish perspective. Meaning, how it makes me feel. What God's doing in my life. Oh, the hunger and the things that God is stirring on the inside of me. And that is part of the purpose of revival is so that there will become an awakening in the body of Christ to come awake and alive to the things of God and to the heart of God. But did you understand that when it comes to revival, it doesn't stop with you? Because if you get into the presence of God and you begin to pursue the heart of God, do you know what consists in the heart of God? It's the love of God for people that don't know Jesus. Amen. I said, when you pursue the heart of God and God begins to move in your life and the glory of God begins to manifest, what's going to take place? It's not just to bless you, but it's to conform you or transform you, I should say, to have the heart of God so that you begin to see people differently. Why? Because we are in the last of the last days and Jesus is coming and people need Jesus. And if you've not realized it, America has become a, 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 a missionary ground because this nation does not know Jesus. And it needs a people that are full of power, full of glory, full of His presence, full of His Word that will go and love on people so that lives can be transformed and the kingdom of God can grow and expand. Amen? And so that's what God is wanting, endeavoring to do in our lives is to revive and awaken the church so that the church can grow. And I'm telling you what, this church is filled front to back, side to side, running multiple services because God is moving in this church. And God is using this church as a catalyst for what He's wanting to do in this greater Flint area. Amen? Now, uh, there's several things that I just kind of got stirring in my heart, and so hopefully the Lord will help me put it all together in a package that we can take it home and make it applicable to our lives. But as I said, we're always coming in contact with people that don't know Jesus. And my wife and I, we just had some personal business that we were uh, taking care of last week. We were at the bank and we were sitting across the, the, the desk from a woman that was taking care of all of our paperwork. And as we were talking to this woman, somehow it came out that we were pastors. And she says, oh, wow. She goes, well, where do you pastor? And we said, well, we pastor over here in uh, Flint Township, Gen uh, Genesee Valley Church. And she says, oh, well, I go to this church. I'm like, oh, really? I said, man, that's a wonderful church. And it's about 40 minutes down the road. And I said, that's a wonderful church. I said, how are you liking the new church building? And she says, well, I've never been to the new church building. Well, the church building was completed about four years ago. <laughs> and then she said to me she said well she goes I, I it's so far away for me to drive from where we're at here she said I just attend online I watch the services online and how many of you know watching services online are good and okay but you cannot attend church online let me say that again you cannot attend church online 
You can see what's happening at church. You can listen to messages that were preached at church. And you can grow and be blessed as a result of it. But you cannot attend and be a part of the local body without sitting in the house of God. Amen. Now again, I'm not saying that to criticize this woman. She had a sincere heart. And she said, you know, I, I, one of the things that I so love about that church is the worship. Oh, the worship is so amazing. And how many of us love awesome praise and worship that ushers us into the presence of God. But when she said that, it just kind of struck a note on the inside of my wife and I as we were talking later. And we said, isn't it interesting that if you were to ask a lot of people that were a part of a church that had good praise and worship, their response might be that very same thing. Oh, I so love the praise and the worship. I'm longing for the days when people say, I just can't wait to hear the preaching and the teaching of the word. Why? Because the preaching and the teaching of the Word is what grows us and develops us and matures us to walk like Christ and to know Christ, again, to be like Christ because of the Word. Amen. Nothing wrong with good praise and worship, but what praise and worship does is it sets the platform for us to hear the voice of God through the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. Does that make sense? Now, you might say, well, well, what's the difference? See, here's the difference. Let me give you an extra example. You know, the Bible says that the Word of God is the bread of life, right? So if I had before you this loaf of bread, and it was just baked, and man, it's glistening off the top, and it's like, man, it smells so good. And if you like homemade bread, who, who likes bread? Does anybody not like bread? I mean, it's like, I mean... <laughs> It's, it's heavenly food, right? Manna? Well, I don't know. Anyways, bread, and you're looking at this loaf. And then I had this bag of five pound, this five pound bag of flour. And I was to say to you, if I, if I was to say to my daughter, hey, which one do you want? <laughs> yeah, obviously, you would choose the bread. Well, why would you choose the bread? Because it's already made. And man, I'm going to enjoy it right now. And oh, it's going to make me feel good. Slather that with some butter. Put it in the microwave. Oh, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Give me a witness. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. You know, oh, the bread is so good. But did you know that five-pound bag of flour would make approximately seven and a half loaves? It just takes a little effort. And so the praise and worship, what does it do? It doesn't require me to live out a life of faith walking with Jesus. It becomes an experience that I can have when I go to church and it's served up for me and therefore I can walk into the presence of God and like, whoa, is it worship wonderful? And please don't hear me as diminishing anything with worship. It's extremely important and significant. But my point is, is it's so easy to allow the worship to take us to a place before God. But then my daily walk requires me to stay in the presence of God. Are you tracking with me? And so once again, I'm longing for people to be hungry for the Word and the Spirit. That they're coming and saying, God, we desire a move of God and we want to experience the Word of God in our lives. Because a revival is happening in this place. Amen.
And once again, when it comes to revival, revival is not about an experience. It's about you discovering the life that God has always intended for you to live. I said revival is not for you just to have an experience with God. It's for you to experience the life that God has always desired and has designed for you to walk in. When we come into the presence of God, when we come and we worship, we sense that tangible presence. We can experience that every day of our lives. In fact, i got to be real honest with you that during this time of prayer and fasting, it's been amazing. I mean, I find myself that there's times where I'll be in the car and I just start to worship, and I'm there in His presence. Glory to God. I was out on the tractor the other day, and I put some... Now, again, I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit. I've oftentimes said this, that if, if it was my flavor of praise and worship on the platform, it might sound a little bit different. Amen. Thank God for the new stuff. But, man, I was out on the tractor. Now, my, my tractor is a diesel, so it's loud. And I'm out there with my earbuds in, and some of the old praise and worship music is going on. And my daughter said to me, I heard you inside the house when you were out there cutting the grass, and she told me the song that I was singing. <laughs> Why? Because I'm, I'm experiencing Jesus out on the lawn tractor doing work. You see, it's not limited to a morning experience. I can walk with Jesus every day of my life. And again, that's what revival is all about. Amen? Once again, we haven't truly lived our lives or experienced the God kind of life if all we're endeavoring is to experience the loaf of bread rather than having the bag of flour that helps us sustain a life in the presence of God. For so many of us, we get so distracted and so busy pursuing things. How many of you have identified that just life has gotten so busy in these last 10 years, in the last 20 years? Well, that, that's by design. The enemy has endeavored to try to distract us and, and get us off course and, and to cause us to, to be uh, uh, pulled this way or that way because once again, he knows that the coming of the Lord is soon at hand and that there's a move of God that is upon us. But oftentimes we're pursuing all the things and missing out on the blessings of the Lord. You know the Bible says over in Psalms, what is it, uh, 1022? It says that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow. I said, the blessing of the Lord maketh one rich and add no sorrow. We live our lives trying to be rich. And when I say rich, I'm not just talking monetarily. I'm talking about the experiences of life, going on vacation, all the extracurricular and all the whatever else that we're pursuing in life. And we do it because that's the blessed life. But the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich. And it adds no sorrow. How many times have we pursued things and activities and events and extracurricular and whatever else it might be at the expense of our walk with Jesus? Here's what the word says in regards to the word sorrow. Sorrow means pain, hurt, hardship, offense, toil. How many people do we know that work their entire lives working all the overtime that they can, banking and saving all the money that they can, working till they're 70 years old, just so that the last 15, of their year, 15 years of their life can be blessed. 
Doesn't that just sound insane? That I've worked my life away. I've toiled my life away. I've made hardship on my family. I've missed church. I've created offense in my home between my kids or my spouse because I've tried to save up for those retirement years. And now I've got the last 15 years of my life when I'm an old man now and i got to just try to live my best life now. Does that sound like the blessing of the Lord? Now, again, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with saving for the future. God says be a good steward. My point is this. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. In other words, God will see that you have everything that you need if you'll pursue Him. And that's what the awakening is all about. To turn our attentions and our affections on Him. And the true blessing is the fact that people's lives are going to be saved. I got a boat, but did you know what? I can't take my boat to heaven with me. Nope. I like to fish, but I can't take my fishing boat to heaven. But you know what? The Bible says that he's made me a fishers of men. And every man and woman that I catch and lead to Jesus, I will take every single one of them to heaven with me. Amen. Come on, you talk about making one rich. That's the true riches of, of heaven. Amen? And if we'll focus on the right thing, God will take care of all the other things. Come on, somebody, say amen. 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 The greatest move of God is upon us right now. I said the greatest move and the revival of the last days is upon us right now. And God said this. He says, I'm coming back for a glorious church. Why is it a glorious church? Because it's filled with His glory. I said He's coming back for a glory-filled church. Meaning that the presence of God is alive. People's hearts are on fire. And we are about the business of the kingdom of God. Amen. Now let me just share this with you real quickly. Because once again, if we're not careful, we'll get distracted. I believe that, again, through this time of prayer and fasting, our eyes are being opened because we're being intentional to pursue Him. But look at what it says here in Jude, verse 3. There's only one chapter, so in verse 3 of, uh, of Jude, it says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all deliverance to the saints. Did you notice what he said? He said, contend. He said, I say, uh, I earnestly uh, tell you, or I say to you, contend earnestly for the faith. Contend earnestly to live a life of faith. Well, what does it mean to contend? Well, oftentimes we think about a fight or a struggle. But let me just suggest to you from a different perspective. If we're having to contend earnestly for the faith, then that must mean that there is someone opposing our faith. Right? And so don't be surprised that the devil tries to throw a monkey wrench in things in your life, in your family, in church, and in life. Why? Because he is trying to oppose you for the move of God, revival that is upon the church right now, and therefore you're going to have to contend. But what does it mean to contend? Does it mean that you have to toil? No, because you're blessed. So how do I contend? My contending 
is to come to a place of rest. I said, my contending is to get to a place where I'm at rest. And the most significant way that brings rest to my life is to have a diet of the Word of God and the presence of God. And when I rest in God, my faith ascends and has victory over every obstacle or opposition or anything that wants to contend against me. Amen. We've got faith. In fact, for that matter, you've been given the measure of faith, the Bible says. And the faith that God has placed on the inside of you has the ability to overcome anything that the devil throws your way. But unfortunately, we just never knew it. We've got faith that overcomes. And for that matter, the faith that we have, the only way that you have faith is because God gave you His faith. And His faith never loses. Come on, man. I mean, if I'm going to run my car and, or if I'm going to drag race a car and, and just beat the snot out of it, I'd much rather do it to your car than my car. Right? Why? Because I, I value my car. You know, but if you're going to let me use yours, I'll use yours. Well, God said, here's my faith. And it can withstand any beating. It can withstand any fight. It can withstand anything that comes against you. I've given you my faith. Amen? And he says, this faith overcomes the world. Praise the Lord. And so, as we begin to pursue God in this last week, I want to give you some things here because God is endeavoring to stir and cultivate a revival in each of our hearts. And there's something that we must do to contend for in the faith. Now, the Word of God always shows us the future. It always shows us what is to come, right? When you get into prayer, God will show you things to come. And therefore, you'll have to contend for them by faith. Now, I'm going to show you the story of somebody that you're well familiar with. And I want you to see yourself in it that you're probably more like him than you even can begin to imagine. But as we purpose to contend for our faith, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, there's a man that's called the father of faith by the name of Abraham. And he says, this man's faith, you follow it. And so when you begin to read his story, it begins to cause you to scratch your head. When you begin to say, God, you told me to follow that guy? You told me to follow his faith? Come on, let's see what God did in this man's life. All right, in Genesis chapter 12, let's go for a little journey, if you will, all right? In Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, notice what it says. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from, the, from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. Remember we said that God will always show you the future so that you can tend for the faith. God has showed us the future of this church. For this community. For this end time revival. He goes on to say in Genesis chapter 13. Starting in verse 14. says, and the Lord said to Abram. After Lot had separated from him. Lift your eyes now and look from this place. Or from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward and westward. 
For all the land which you see, I will give you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be number, numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. We said that God will always show us the future. He showed the future to Abram. He said, Abram, this land that you're looking, it's your inheritance. And then he goes on to say, I'm going to give you a seed. I'm going to give you a son. You say, well, how do I know that he, gave, he said he was going to give him a son? He said right here, he says, your descendants is going to possess this land. And he says, they're going to be so numbered that you can't number them. There's going to be so many of them. Now you say, well, what difference does that make? The reality is, is that Abram did not have a son. He and his wife could not have children. His wife was barren. But God said right here, I'm showing you the future. Your future is blessed. And you're going to have children. So many so that you can't even number it. Woo! Don't you like it when God shows you good things in your life? But remember, we have to contend earnestly for the faith. In Genesis chapter 15, the story goes on. Starting in verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, now listen to his words. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Did you notice that God came and visited Abram? But Abram's question was, Hey God, um, I don't have a child. But isn't that what God told him just a few chapters earlier? He says, I'm giving you a family. And he says, see, I go childless, God. He says, I don't have an heir. There's one in my home that will be my possession, but he's not of my blood. You know, he can be a surrogate, but, but he's not my offspring, right? And so what was Abram doing? He did not have faith to see what God saw. God had told him earlier, you're going to have a son and a family so numerous you can't count them. But Abram started looking at the natural, and he could not see what God saw. How often times do we as people, when it comes to the promise of God, that He has shown you, shown me, shown the church, and we say, God, we don't see it. And when we say we don't see it, what happens? We begin to walk in accordance to what we see. What happens to your countenance and your attitude? God, I must have missed it, God. I don't see it. But look at what it goes on to say here in verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one, Eleazar, shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. 
And then notice verse 6. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Praise God. Notice what he says here. He goes and he begins to tell Abram the same thing that he told him the first time. He used sand in the first illustration. This time he says, now listen, you don't have to use the surrogate. I told you you're going to have a son. He's going to come from your body, Abram. From your body, you and Sarah. Little hanky-panky and baby coming, all right? That's how he works. Just wanted to keep you off, keep you off guard. You, you all right? You know that's how it works, right? Okay, anyways, praise the Lord. <laughs> he says, you're going to have a baby, right? And then notice what it says. Abram believed. Everybody say it with me. Abram believed. All right. Now, 11 years goes by and they don't see a baby. God said, you're going to have a baby multiple times. And then Abram believed, but 11 years later, nothing happened. And in Genesis chapter 16, Sarah says, Abram, I got an idea. You and I, this thing just hasn't been working. I know God said, but it's not working. So here is my handmaiden. Take Hagar. And the Bible says that they had a baby. Ishmael. Right? But was that what God said to Abram? No. But didn't it say that Abram believed? If he believed... How come that after 11 years, still no baby? To the point where Abram had to do his own thing or take it upon himself and they had a baby. And once again, that was not what God had said. 11 years believing, but not seeing something. I said 11 years believing, but not seeing. What was the problem? And this is the point that I'm getting to for you and I as we pursue a move of God and revival in our land and in our church, in our lives. Abram was believing. But if you'll look in the scriptures, in the book of Hebrews, if you look in Mark 11, 23 and 24, there is two parts to believing. There is the believing and there is the saying. Abram was believing, but he was not saying anything to agree with God. So all he was doing was believing, but he was not contending for the faith. Because true faith has an action, as Joe said today, and it is the words in which you speak. But here's how good God is. Let's look at how good uh, God is here. Another 13 years passed by. And in Genesis chapter 17, starting in verse 1, it says, When Abraham, or when Abram rather, was 99 years old. Come on. Almost 25 years has passed. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. God's telling them, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do 
in the first place. In verse 3, then Abraham fell, fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. So to clarify and to clear it up, I'm still talking about you having a son, Abram. Verse 5, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make, you, make nations of you. And kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in, this, in their generation for an everlasting covenant to be a God to you and to your descendants after you. Also I give you and your descendants after you the land in which... Uh, you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. What did God do? He says, Abram, it's been 25 years. And you've been believing me, but you have not been contending for your faith. You have not been saying anything in agreement with what I've said. In fact, on the converse, you've tried to help me along the way. And then you've been asking me, well, God, what do, I don't have a child. What are you going to do about it, God? All along the way, you believed what I said, but you questioned me. And you did not contend for the faith. So God says, I'm going to change your name. And your name means father of many nations. So every time you introduce yourself, your mouth and your words have to agree with what I said and with what you believe. Well, I don't think you heard what I said. I said God established it so that Abraham had to contend for the faith. He said, I'm going to make it so much so easy for you that all you have to do is express your name and your confession of your name agrees with what I've already said and promised to you. Come on. And we see that he had a son. It was only three months later that she conceived. 25 years of believing and not seeing. But the moment he started to contend with his faith using his words, three months later, the promise showed up. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? We've been saying, I'm believing and praying for years. That a move of God is hitting this church. And it's here. We have declared and prayed along with many. That there is a move of God that is sweeping across this greater Flint area. And there is a great end time harvest that is upon us. We have been saying that there is not room enough to receive all that God has said because they're coming. But don't just listen and hear the vision that has been placed before you. Pastor said, God said there's a move coming. Yes, I know the Bible says that God's going to pour out His Spirit. I believe that. It's time for you to contend 
with your faith. When you look at your spouse that doesn't seem like they have a heart for God or anything that they want to do with God, you open up your mouth and say, there is a move of God in my home and in my marriage and in my spouse's life. When you're at your workplace and it seems like everybody just wants to run with the devil, you say, there is a move of God that follows me. And there is a revival that is breaking loose in my workplace because I'm here. God's planted me here. And the family is going to expand because revival is hitting my workplace. Amen. When you look at your kids that seem as though they're estranged or whatever it is that you're believing God for, you might be believing God for a husband, a wife, or whatever it is. There's a move of God. And they're coming. I have what I ask and believe for in Jesus' name. And when it comes to our church, well, pastor's been saying that for a long time. We'll see this time. No. No. Contend with your faith with us. There's a move of God on Genesee Valley Church. There's a move of God and revival is happening here. And when you'll come to church, you'll come with an expectation. God's moving and meeting me there. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you what, Jesus is moving. And we're contending for our faith. Amen? Now, don't be surprised that what people see on you begins to cause them to ask questions. Because they're coming I said they're coming. Amen. I said they're coming. Praise the Lord. I'm going to pray in just a minute, but let me give you a natural example. When it comes to natural things, I just got an ordinary truck, but I'm just using it as the example. I've got some rims on it. I've taken it from place to place. And oftentimes people will say to me, man, that's a cool looking truck. I like that. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. It's just a truck. But people look at it and say, I like your truck. When God slaps His glory on you, <laughs> they don't know what it is, but they're going to say, I like what's on you. What is it? Come on. This is the harvest. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that there is a move of God happening here at Genesee Valley Church. There is a harvest that is coming, a move of God that is taking place. And if there's anyone under the sound of my voice here present or watching online, all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus Say, Jesus, save me. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. You will be ushered into the family of God and you'll experience a move of God because God is coming to visit you. And then just get plugged into a church to help you grow. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are moving and that is our confession in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. That's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? 
Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.